Okay, so there is a ladies' pool party. Yeah. When is that? Saturday, July 30th at Shelly's pool. Yeah. So Shelly's homesick. So Shelly, we're all coming over for a pool party. Ladies, ladies on the 30th. Men were not invited. Even though in Christ there's no male or female in Shelly's place, there is. So we're uh, so. so we got some people missing. Uh, Dave and Shauna were here earlier to say hi, but then they're over in Kaya because their son is preaching over there this morning. So we're missing them. Uh, we have Shelly is, is not feeling well, so she's online up here. We've got Keith online. But anyway, we miss you, Shelly. We wish you were here. It's good to see everybody else. We were on vacation last week. And uh, that was fun, but it's really good to be home. I missed you guys. This, this is, uh, it's refreshing. This is energizing. And to, and to miss it, even for a week, is, uh, is kind of a bummer for me. So, you know, I guess you, you don't really realize that till you're gone, maybe. Like, it's sometimes a chore to get here. Like, the devil's telling you, you shouldn't waste your time and, come and gather with the saints, but when we don't do it, we miss it. It's just, for me, it's a bummer. So I don't know if you guys know Dr. Joseph in uh, Egypt. It's, it's, it's not pastor necessarily. It's Dr. Joseph. It's Dr. Wagi. Uh, but anyway, can you, can you stand up Joseph and, and maybe even come up here? Maybe you can even just tell us something about yourself and, and your ministry there. And then We'll pray for you, and we're going to pray for Wassam too. Then, but come, come up and and let's give him a welcome, if you would. And then this doesn't amplify, but it allows the people online. To okay. Yeah. Good morning, brethren. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for this chance. I grateful to Pastor Chris, my friend, uh, because he gave me the chance to share uh, about myself or about my ministry. Uh, I'm Joseph Habib, 53 years old. I marry and have three sons, Martin, Justin, David. The oldest one, uh, 22 years old in the final year in university. Uh, the middlest one accepted Jesus and he started his ministry. And we are praying now for the oldest one and the youngest one. So please uh, keep them uh, in your prayer. Uh, our ministry, I and Brother Wagi, uh, in Cairo and uh, in Juba, South Sudan, uh, according our ministry, it is in Middle East Baptist Seminary. Uh, God used us in uh, the school for many years. Uh, we have undergraduate degree and we have a graduate degree also. Uh, by God's grace, God blessed us with a good building in Shuruk city, it is new city, 15 minutes from the Air Cairo airport. And we, by God's grace, we almost finished the building, around 80% of the building is finished. We, uh, pray, we are praying now to finish that 20% uh, because the dedication by God's grace will be in next January 2023. So please keep us in your prayer to can finish the two parties, 
the auditorium, the chapel, the church there, and the library. We started already, uh, God uh, helped us to start a church there inside the school, local church, uh, independent Baptist church, and I am the pastor of the church now. We just four uh, families, it is a small church, because the chapel uh, didn't finish till now. We need to prepare the place. Pastor uh, Chris visited the place. We need to put uh, insulation in the walls because uh, the sound and you can uh, worship freely because the neighbors, our neighbors are Muslims and they are around us. We couldn't to worship freely or accept more families before we finish the chapel. So uh, we are praying now to uh, finish the chapel and the library. And uh, we are grateful for uh, church here, Pastor Sam and Pastor uh, Chris, because they supported us with a video camera to uh, record our lectures, do this in the uh, distance learning program. We have uh, some students now from different, uh, different countries study with us in distance learning and God used the uh, video camera also supported us to finish the library. We're grateful for that. And uh, I hope that you share us uh, to prayer for prayer for uh, to finish all the building. Also God used us in uh, South Sudan, uh, Juba, uh, I and the brother Wagi. We have around 100 students now. Uh, last uh, modular was around 84 or 85. Uh, and the first graduation in South Sudan will be uh, by God's grace in next February, 2-2, February 2. So we need a lot of prayers. 23, yeah, next February. <laughs> next February by God's grace. So the work is great, huge, and we have we have nothing without God, but we trust in God, and we are grateful that you share us by your prayer. Thank you. God bless you. So the work there in Cairo and South Sudan is definitely of the Lord. These men are instilling a biblical theology. Dispensational, faith-based view of God's word into these men and women in the seminary who are, I know at least in South Sudan, where I was privileged to be able to teach, the, these guys are eager. And talk about an opportunity. South Sudan is ready to just plant churches all over Africa. It's a neat situation. Um, they're coming off of a war, a civil war. Um, but there is not an Islamic theocracy there. So in other words, really kind of they won, the South Sudan won. They've won their independence and they're able to now worship freely. It's so exciting. And coming off of that victory, there's all this momentum now. The world is coming to, to Juba, South Sudan, and, and it's just, it's a neat opportunity with the school there. And, and um, we have committed as a church to helping support funding and building out that library. 
So if that was something you wanted to give to, you could give to that, support that. If you feel so led and you're able, this would be a great trip to go with Wagi to Egypt and South Sudan. He goes three times a year. And so we're planning on the fall trip being a larger group where we take several people, up to several people. But if you would want to go otherwise, you could talk to Wagi about that. So it's a neat trip. There's a thousand guys who could have taught what I taught. Okay. I felt very privileged to be the one to be used of God to teach what I was able to teach in the seminary, seminary there at, at Juba. So it's not so much that God needs you to go, but maybe you need to be used of the Lord like that, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Okay. So you guys, it's, it's wonderful to have Wasam back. Sam, we missed you. Uh, she's been sick and now is finally recovering, but it's kind of a, you know, the, the long hauler type slow response to, to getting better. And she's still just struggling with fatigue, tiredness, and, and that sort of a thing. So can, can we pray for her as a class? And then while we're about it, are there others who would say, hey, uh, pray for me or pray for a loved one because we're dealing with illness, that sort of thing. Is there anyone else? That's a chance. Oh, come on. You know your back hurts at least. I mean, okay. Deanna, Gail, Troy. Yes. So let's do this. Let's pray in our small groups. Pray for those at your table. Make sure you pray for Sam, for Wasam. And then I'll close this out here. Yes, Wagi. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go to prayer in our groups. And then online, you guys yeah. are a group. So, Father, we, we do want to come before you and acknowledge, Lord, your presence. And, Father, we can boldly approach the throne of grace, which means we enter into eternity when we bow our heads and call upon the Lord to hear our prayers. And so we do that now as a group in Jesus' name. And, God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. And, Lord, these prayers that we've lifted up to you, Father, we, we want to see you as our Father who provides, as our healer who heals. God, as the one who loves us, as Abba. And so, Lord, we look to you, and, and God, we just want to say yes to who you are, to what you do. We want to say yes to your plan. We want to enter into that plan. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning by your Spirit, through your word. And God, help us to just figure out how to apply what it is you're showing us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, yeah, uh, we got some other treats over there. We've got coffee if you need to get up. I, I agree with Wagi. Let's do that one at a time. So not a mass exodus over there. That way we can get going.
So Ashley's a visitor. Welcome, Ashley. Red is 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 this your first time with us, Red? Welcome, and then and then uh, George. Welcome, George. I'm Chris. Kirkwood. Yep, Kirkwood's here. So Kirkwood went forward in the service to to pray. Thank God for that. A responsive heart to the teaching of God's word. Way to go. Yes, sir. All right. Okay, so grab a handout and grab your Bible. We're going to have some teaching time, and then we're going to break up into small groups. During our small group time, you'll be working through the things that, that are taught. So make sure you write down the things that the Spirit brings to your mind or things that you don't understand so you can work through that in your small group time. But we are in the book of 2 John. Next week, I think, will be our last week in, in 2 John, and then we'll move on to 3 John. But what we're going to see this week is that love has limits. Okay? Boy, that sounds, that sounds wrong, doesn't it? Love has limits. Let's see what we're talking about here. 2 John chapter 10 and 11 says this. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. That's the verses. Those are the verses we're considering this morning. Now, look at your handout. By way of review, what we've seen recently in this passage is that love finds and opens doors into new relationships, okay? Into new friendships. When we love others, that opens doors to a relationship, which will open the door to real conversations, friendships, and, and eventually gospel or inviting people into what God's given us. We've also seen in recent weeks, and, and Dempsey, this is the second PowerPoint slide here. We've also seen in, we, in recent weeks that doctrine matters. Christians are called believers. Sometimes I'll ask people that, are you a believer? I'll say that instead of, are you a Christian? Because sometimes in a, another culture, it just that's what's on your birth certificate. I was born a Christian. I was born a Muslim. I was born a Hindu, whatever. That's not what I mean. I mean, are you a believer? So Christians are, what we are through salvation and sanctification becomes, uh, it becomes from what we believe, if that makes sense. So of course it matters what we believe. Of course doctrine matters. That's what makes you what you are. It's not your works. It's, it's believing truth. So today's message in 2 John 10 and 11 builds upon these two realities. It builds upon the fact that if you will love others, God will use you in their lives. Hello, somebody. That's, that's what he's been saying this whole time is love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Okay? But love does have limits because there is such a thing as truth and doctrine matters. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So hospitality. Okay? Hospitality. 
is what it's talking about. If they're commenting unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive them not into your house. Okay, so hospitality is, is the context, and we're going to see that. But hospitality is like the door. It's like your front door. Your front door serves two purposes. What, what does your front door do? What are the two purposes? It lets people in, and it keeps people out hospitality now it would not be hospitable if my front door was locked every time you came over you come to my house and the front door is locked you can't get in that's not very hospitable is it but neither is it hospitable if i never shut my front door because then when you come over sure you can come in with all the spiders and the possums and stray dogs and there won't be any furniture to sit on because someone just came in and stole it all because my front door won't close. There won't be any food because that guy just wandering around the streets came in and ate all our food. So hospitality does include actually controlling the environment such that it is conducive for worship. And that's a vision we have as a class for this year, that this is a place for God. First and foremost, that's why we stop and pray. That's why Mike led worship last week and then invited the group into a time of prayer. Next week, we're going to hear a testimony from Matthew about what God's done in his life. And then we're going to pray and acknowledge God's presence here. It's a place for God, but it's also a place for people. And hospitality does include letting some in, but also keeping some out. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So, contextually, we can use our homes to support God's mission, to support the ministry. Dr. Joseph, where are you staying while you're here? You're staying with, in Wagi's home. <laughs> so, Wagi is using his home to support the mission of God by supporting the man of God. Joseph Habib, does that make sense? We have a missionary from India who will be staying with us for the next few days. He's in the United States. We'll be having a meeting here tomorrow on how to better support him. There's people coming in from all over the country. But then he's going to be staying at our house for a few days. We're, we're using our home to support the mission, to support the ministry. Now, the, the, the mindset in our culture Okay, that we have to get away from. I'll challenge you on this. The church is not a building. The church is not a service. You didn't come to church this morning. We are the church this morning. Amen? And we all, I know you know that, but we also all act like the church is a building and the church is a service. And on Sunday morning, God gets my three hours, but then I go home and it's my house good to be in the house of the lord this morning well when you go home to your house you're still in the house of the lord my house isn't my house it's it's god's house right everything that i am or have is so i want to be able to use my house to support the ministry now so the context here is not talking about shutting the door if my in-laws want to come to town and they don't have good doctrine. 
So I'm not going to let them come into my, that's not what this is talking about, you guys. This isn't talking about, about being a bad neighbor to your lost neighbors and not letting them come over because they don't have the right Bible or something. That's not what this is about. This is about when people, like, so it's a ministry type thing. Like Pastor Joseph, he's on the road. He's doing his thing. He needs a place to stay. He's talking about a ministry type, missions type support. Make sense? So it's, it's common throughout scripture for believers to use their homes to host gatherings or to provide space or meals as part of ministering to others. It's common today for missionaries, missions trip teams, traveling evangelists, conference attenders and such to stay in the home of fellow, fellow believers. It should be common for us to invite international students to our home. It should be common for us to invite visitors to the church to come have a meal or to go get coffee. Like, like it should be a common type thing that, that we do that. Now, so that's the context. The content is we're going to see that we're supposed to use our homes as a ministry asset for the kingdom, but there's limits to it. Some we must turn away. Okay, so who, who do we turn away and why? That's what we're looking at. So the verse I'm going to read again. Look at it with me. If there come any unto you. So, hey, I'm a traveling evangelist. Can I stay at your house? If they don't bring the doctrine of Christ, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of, of his evil deeds. And so here's what we see. Key point number one is our homes are a ministry and hospitality is an effective form of charity. How do we see that? Well, you, we do turn some away. There's some that we don't receive, but the implication is, is we should receive the rest of them. Okay, so turn with me to Acts chapter 21. We'll look at an example. In Acts chapter 21, Paul is traveling with a group. He's left Ephesus. There's a group kind of going with him halfway, you know, to, to, to cheer him on. And they're on their way to Jerusalem. In verses 3 and 4, what we see, Paul says, Now, when we had discovered Cyprus, we left it on the left hand and sailed into Syria and landed at Tyre. For the ship was to unlaid her burden. And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days. Oh, oh, look. They're on this journey as a group of believers, and they find disciples. When they found the disciples, they stayed with them for a week. That's what we're talking about. In verse 6, some of the group went back to Ephesus, but the others went on to Jerusalem. In verse 7, we read this, and when we had finished our course from Tyre, we came to Ptolemais and saluted the brethren. Oh, there they go. So they found disciples before and stayed there for a week. Then they went on to their journey, and they found some brethren and abode with them for one day. They stayed with the brethren. Verse 8, the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which is one of the seven and abode with him. Verse 10 says they tarried there many days. Okay, so 
all the way down in verse 16. Then they were, they were moving on. So they, they went from there to Jerusalem, verse 15. And there went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one Nason of Cyprus, an old disciple. He's an old guy with whom we should lodge. So this guy came just for the sole purpose of being the host because he had a house where they were going. So you can see all the way. There's just one chapter in Acts, but you see over and over again, hey, we found some disciples, so we stayed with them. We found the brethren, so we stayed with them. We found Philip the evangelist, so we stayed there. And then this Nason, this, this old guy, he had a home there, so we stayed with him. And we see within the economy of the church hospitality was used and here's the coolest thing you guys all these guys got their names written in the bible like god gives them credit for that not only that first corinthians 16 19 we see aquila and priscilla are recognized for having the church in their house and colossians 4 15 nymphus and laodicea had the church in his house and philemon 1 2 archippus had the church in his house, and on and on and on and on, we see God in his word giving credit to those who were charitable in that they used their homes as part of the ministry. You guys see that? Sometimes I wonder if, if maybe if some of you haven't really found your niche yet in terms of the ministry structure at Midtown, maybe this is it for you. Question. Yes. Um, back in those days, that was a part of life shared your home with others as they were traveling through. Mm -hmm. Today, I don't see too much of that is happening today because of whatever reason. Yeah, so it was more common then, perhaps, than it was than it is now and and you have to be careful because you don't want to invite strangers in that's part of what we're talking about today is who do you know how to receive and who do you know how to not receive and it comes down to doctrine now common sense says you're not going to pick up a hitchhiker and invite him into your house that's that's dumb that's not that's not don't don't do that but if Pastor Joseph, who has my commendation and Pastor Wagi's commendation, not condemnation, commendation. We we recommend him. We don't condemn him. If uh, Wagi's air conditioner goes out and he needs a place to stay, how many would say he could come stay with me? Everybody. Every because you may not know him, but you know me. You know Wagi, and if we say, hey. He's someone who you want to get to know. It would be a blessing for you to have him in your home. And then you would receive that, right? But yes, we want to use common sense. You're, you're exactly right. I know that Joseph and Mary couldn't find room at the inn. Well, knowing what we know now, do you think there would have been some people in Bethlehem that would have opened up their doors? I mean, even back then, there, there, it was an issue, so... So anyway, okay, so number one, we, we see that our homes are a ministry and hospitality is an effective form of charity. Key point number two, our love has limits because truth exists. The quantity of charity is not limited. In other words, 
I don't love, I don't not love some people. I, I love my enemies. I just don't let them in my house. I don't receive just anybody that wants to come into my house because it's not biblical to do so. So our love isn't limited in the quantity. That's the accusation. You don't love people like me. It's like, well, of course I do. But I'm not giving you my stuff. I'm not telling you what you're doing is okay. Right? So, but love does have boundaries. And that's an important distinction for us. For example, it's not loving to lie. If someone wants me to lie for them or buy into their lie, I'm going to have to tell them no. Because it would not be loving for me to do so. It would actually be wrong for me to do that. Now, I love that person. I'm just not buying into their nonsense. It's not loving to support those who confuse the truth or point people to damnation. If there's someone teaching another gospel other than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they want me to support them in their promotion of that, no, I I won't do that. As much as I may love that person, they could be my sibling. If Christine, who I love just more than anyone else in the world, wants me to spread a false gospel, I'm going to say, no, I won't do it. That's not loving. That's not. Okay. So you guys understand that. I I'm a medical doctor. I, I want to help people. I, I will not work for Planned Parenthood. There's limits to what I will and won't do. And it comes from truth. Okay. So Romans 16, 17 says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. There it is right there. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Okay, not everybody who's looking for a place to stay is looking for a place to stay for a good reason. Some people don't have a place to stay because they got kicked out of the place that they were because of some selfish reason. Does that make sense? Key point number three. So there is there, there are limits, there are boundaries. Key point number three is the doctrinal dividing point is the doctrine of Christ. Okay, so we're again. The context here is using our homes as a, as a ministry or as part of the mission. So there's a traveling band of missionaries. There, there's some kids on a missions trip and they need a place to stay. Will you open your home to them? We get that all the time. Okay. There, there's opportunities like this that come up all the time. And here's the dividing point the doctrine of Christ. And we covered this two weeks ago. We're not going to repeat the whole thing, but look on the back of your handout. The doctrine of Christ is, that phrase is only found two places in scripture. It's found in 2 John and it's found in Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. And if we study that out and condense and try to crystallize that into something that's memorable, here's what we find is it's all about Christ. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ, not through works. Baptism, which is our identity with Christ. 
the local church, which is the body of Christ. Resurrection. Christ is the first fruits of that. And then eternal judgment, which for us is not the great white throne of judgment because our sin was already atoned for at Calvary. It's the judgment seat of Christ and the doctrine of Christ. Really, what you and I believe about who Jesus is and what he did and our identification with him, that's what defines us. That's what our focus should be. Not some passionate preference that I have or some particular nuance that I'm trying to get everyone else to buy into, okay? Galatians 2, 3, Paul and his group were headed to Jerusalem, and he says, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. They were compelling Titus to get circumcised. And he's like, yeah, no, I don't think so. And that because false brethren unawares brought in who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in christ jesus they might bring us into bondage see these guys were teaching circumcision because they wanted to gather people unto their particular doctrinal stance it wasn't for titus's sake they were trying to use titus to gather him into their camp so they could you know pat themselves on the back so they could be right Paul says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So when someone comes in and they're trying to teach something, whether it's a stance on alcohol or a stance on the tribulation or a stance on this or that, and they come in and they've got this passionate preference. And it's just like they're a dotard. Like every message every week ends up with their favorite pet doctrine. And for you to be right with God, you have to agree. Anyone know that guy? Anyone ever been in a church like that? Like, okay. If they bring not the doctrine of Christ, you don't really want to support what they're doing. You're giving them place by subjection. Does that make sense? Key point number four, do not receive those who do not bring the doctrine of Christ. Now, this is instruction and not just enlightenment. It struck me recently how, how often we take the things that God shows us and we treat it as if it's just enlightenment. It's actually instruction. Like we don't actually want to be a part of blessing those who are leading others away from Christ, do we? Like, there's only one shepherd. Let's just follow him. Amen? Just come follow me as I follow Christ. But if I'm not following Christ, guys, don't, don't follow me. Follow Pastor Wagi as he follows Christ. But if he's not following Christ, we don't follow him. But to the extent that he is, let's, let's, let's follow wholeheartedly after Christ together. Amen? Some guy comes in and he's trying to lead people away. As soon as you sniff that out, it's like, uh, no. I have liberty in Christ. I don't have to get circumcised to be right with God. And if, Okay, praise the Lord. Okay. Now, key point number five is related. Go back to 2 John. Key point number five is related to this verse. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Man, don't, don't give him a God bless. So, so 
don't even tell them, oh, I'm sorry, you know, you can't stay here, but I really wish you well. You can't stay here, but God bless you. You can't stay, but you know what? I really actually don't, don't even wish them well. Okay, if you do, you are partaker of their deeds. Now, this is mind-blowing to me, that to those that we will bless in God's name, that, that, that we're partaking of their evil deeds. Some of this is spiritual. We as the church have authority, okay? The other part of it is just practical, because these, these guys will name drop, okay? So someone comes, they, you let them into your house, they stay at your house, they'll name drop. They'll say, well, yeah, I was staying at Gail's house and, you know, we had a great time. And then all of a sudden you find yourself being used of this other person to allow them to have influence with others. Because we know Gail, we love Gail. It's like, well, if Gail likes this guy, he must be okay. No, he's just using you to get into there. Okay, so there's more on that, but I, I want to move on because I want to have time in our small groups. So in terms of application, let's get good at hospitality. Now, I think we are, okay? I, I think we are good at hospitality as a class, but I'd like, I'd kind of like it to just be a focus that we all have together, that we're all kind of always looking to how we can be a blessing to others. Christina and I went on this family vacation. We were on a houseboat with all of our family, okay? So there were 14 of us, including three little ones, on a, on a 60-foot houseboat. And we were puttering around this lake in, in Arkansas. So that was, that was fun. My son, Andrew, set up Sue Chef Survivor. So everybody cooked meals together as teams, and then you'd get voted off if you did a bad job or your team lost until there was only like two left. And then, and then, so if you've seen Survivor, it was kind of like that. But here's what happened. Everybody wanted to win Sue Survivor. So in terms of the preparation and the shopping and the menu, like we ate really well all week because it wasn't just Christine having to cook for 14 people three meals a day for seven days straight, right? That's not much of a vacation. I mean, it is for me, but not for you. Okay, when it's Christine, three meals a day, seven days a week, it's gonna be sandwiches. It's gonna be quick and easy. Otherwise, it's Christine in the kitchen for six or seven hours a day, right? It's sous chef survivor and you're working to win the contest. You are looking around, you're like, I bet Nick likes sausage, bacon. I'll bet Nick likes eggs, cheese. Okay, so I'm just guessing that Wagi likes, you know, the I, I, whatever. So I'm looking at others. What will they like? Because I want to make the best meal for them as possible. And the menu and the way I cook it, the freshness, the presentation of the food, the serving of the food. So we would pray and thank God for our food. And then we would have this presentation. The meal prepared for you today is blah, 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 blah. And it'll be served in this style. And this is the sauce And it. Okay. Just think about it for a second. Because we wanted to win the prize, 
we looked at others and did our best to cook in a way which would be the greatest blessing for them. Is that not what we saw throughout the entire study of 1 John? If you want to win, love others. Keep the commandments. Oh, by the way, the commandments is this, that you love others, right? How do you have a good judgment seat of Christ as a Christian? Well, we have to love others and serve others. So if you just did that because you wanted to win, you would still have to just look at others and serve them in blessing. And I think that's just kind of a metaphor for life, for the Christian life, a metaphor for hospitality. Okay. I think if we all just looked at others all the time and said, how can I be a blessing to everyone else? So today we, we looked at who not to invite in. There's people that we don't let in, but the implication is, is that we will invite in and bless those who do have the doctrine of Christ, right? You guys see that? That includes each other. So here in Living Well class, but also in our homes, let's plan on becoming expert in hospitality. More on this to come. Wagi managed hotels, okay, in his old life, previous work. I've asked him to kind of help put together kind of an ABC one, two, three approach on how to become expert in hospitality. But here's a summarization, number two. Let's have biblical boundaries when using your home as a ministry. For those with other doctrines other than the doctrine of Christ, don't host them and don't bless them. Don't be their open door here. Understand this. They're looking for an open door to establish their particular agenda, their particular doctrine, to try to get a following. Don't be their open door here. Don't be a partaker of their evil by promoting them or enabling them. Don't let them name drop you and use your benevolence for their cause. Colossians 2, Paul says, I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, be knit together in love, and unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. Speaking of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Man, that's so cool, Paul. He's like, yeah, in this I say, lest any man should beguile you through enticing words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfast of your faith in Christ. Verse 8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And so we want to make sure, okay, that, that we're not, okay, and it, it really is this. God's saying, look, you ought to use your homes for the ministry, but first, do no harm. There are going to be people that are going to take advantage of your position, of your generosity. My brother in prison, he said, I, when, when I told everyone I'm a Christian, all of a sudden, all these guys came to my cell and started demanding that I give them all my things. They said, your Bible says you have to love others and if you see a need and you don't meet it that's bad and so so my brother he had to work through that he he, he made three dollars a week in his job so he set aside 30 cents a week and when people would come he would give his 30 cents he didn't have a church to tithe to he said i'll just tithe to the poor 
But then when his 30 cents was up, he said, look, I already gave, I gave it to the office, I already gave. Does that make sense? Those guys weren't actually looking after my brother's best interest. They were trying to take advantage of him. And if you are a generous person who's going to use the things that God's given you to bless others, there's going to be those who try to take advantage of you. You have to learn how to say no. Does that make sense? Okay, so in our small groups, let's begin to think through our individual and corporate hospitality. The goal is not to create a magazine cover, table setting, or a guest room. But in your small groups, work through this. What are the goals of biblical hospitality? What is it that we're trying to accomplish with biblical hospitality? And then you want to include the Bible with that. But I'm sorry, include biblical scripture in your answer. Number two, imagine you are a weary traveling missionary. You're on the road. You've been traveling for days. You're tired, dusty. What sort of hospitality would you find refreshing and encouraging? And then number three, with biblical goals of hospitality in mind, can you look around the room with the lens of a host? Is there anything we could do better here? What about your home? Do, do you invite people into your home? Do, do, you, do you have people from the class or visitors to, to come over for meals? Are you comfortable having travelers stay in your home? That sort of a thing. So just kind of think through this in your small groups. We'll, we'll take 20 minutes in small groups, and then we'll have five minutes to just wrap up. So let's do that now.